and all the way. Welcome to Lip Roll. I'm your host, Valerie Morehouse. Hi, and I'm Ella London, Valerie's amazing assistant. My, <laughs> she's more than an assistant, people. I mean, come on. She runs my life. So we'll call her studio manager. Some, okay. some major executive. Some major executive. Executive at Morehouse Vocal Studio. Something like that. I don't know. Well, anyway, less about us. More, more about who we have coming up. We have Reeve Carney. Reeve today. I love Reeve. I got to tell you, I have known this kid. He's not a kid anymore no. for a long time. Yeah. And I have trained him for years and watched his career grow as an artist, as an actor, as a musician. And he's one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Um, he's very genuine and quite shy. People that don't know him very well. And I will never forget the first time I went to a show. Yeah. And I just kept saying... I've got, you know, I'm busy, I've got other clients, I love you, I just can't make it, but you want me to come to the Troubadour and start your set at 11, it's late for me. I finally made it out, and I just was completely in awe. I mean, mm -hmm. he's so sweet and unassuming as a person, and he just turned into this beast on stage. Yeah. And he was just morphed into this completely different person, and I thought, wow, this guy is, he is a total rock star. I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. Let's take a listen. Let's do it. I've worked with Reeves since he was 21, and together we've strengthened and trained his voice to withstand Broadway shows, rock concerts, tours, and performing live on TV and film. Reeves is extremely technical with his voice, but if you were to see him live, you would see how effortless it is for him to be raw and real. He's told me that the Reeve Carney that you see on stage is the most authentic version of himself. There's no self-doubt, there's no questioning the moment, there's only music. My first memory isn't a full memory. It's one of those memories that you develop from like looking at a photograph or a video. Standing in my kitchen in our loft in New York, in, in uh, the Flatiron District of New York City, by the refrigerator singing something like, Button Up Your Overcoat, I think is the song that I sang. <laughs> when I was 12, my mom bought me this awesome, I don't think it was Fisher-Price, but it was like really colorful, this CD player that I still have actually in my room now. And uh, she bought me a Jackson Brown's Greatest Hits CD and Edgar Winter's White Trash. Growing up in New York, Reeve was introduced to many different cultures and styles of music, soul and blues being one of the most prominent ones. Guitar lessons when I was 14 were probably anywhere from 25 to $50 an hour or something like that, which was kind of expensive when my parents were going through a divorce. So there wasn't like a whole lot of extra money for things like that. So my mom started taking me to blues clubs between the ages of 14 and 18, learning from all these blues masters. One of my favorite things that you first said to me, listen, I'm not trying to change your style. I'm just trying to give you more tools for your toolbox. After gigging from ages 12 to 21, Reeve avoided vocal lessons because he was afraid that the tone of his voice or how he expressed himself musically would be altered by a voice coach. But after a visit with an ear, nose, and throat doctor, an ENT, Dr. Sean Nasseri mentioned my name to Reeve. I remember him saying, ooh, your vocal cords look very angry. He's like, I need to introduce you to my friend Valerie. And I was like, okay, cool. So then he gave me your card and mm -hmm. then I, I called you. As a vocal coach, my job is to train my clients and add new tools to their toolbox, dispelling the myth that vocal coaches are supposed to change the singer's voice. In the sense of the word coach, it's quite literal, as vocalists are a lot like athletes and the goal is to make them bionic. It is a lot easier to digest and more exciting to continue the process of learning about the voice because, you know, if you think 
think about like a, any sort of athlete, whether it be a long distance runner or a sprinter, or a, they have style already. Yeah. And, and but you have to teach them how to. It depends on what the client needs. I bet you, if someone came to you saying, "I need, I want this style," you would give it to them. Through training Reeve, the goal is to create new habits and new warm-ups and a better understanding of his voice and the concept of vocal currency. Like athletes training on the field, exercise, warm-ups, and drills, they don't replace natural ability. We're preparing singers like Reeve to perform night after night at a high level while protecting his natural voice and strengthening his cords. Like any other muscle, the vocal cords need conditioning. There was a lot that I was going through trying to figure out who I was as mm -hmm. a person. And the voice is so connected to that. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, sticking with it has allowed me to come into my own and figure out who that person is that I want to be. I had the opportunity to do a thing for this company called For the Record Live. Mm -hmm. uh, this Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino musical where I played like a cross between John Travolta's character from Pulp Fiction and Steve Buscemi's character from the Reservoir Dogs. Wow. And then I was singing a bunch of background vocals as like different voices. So it's really fun because if you have the understanding of the voice on a certain level, which you gain through training, mm -hmm. but I love messing with my voice and playing different characters with my voice. And the more flexibility you have, the more you can do that without throwing yourself out of whack. We had an eight show weekend, which wow. I've, I obviously have done Broadway, which is an eight show week. And like occasionally we'd have a five show weekend, but I've never done an eight show weekend. That was nuts. It was two shows back back to back each night. I was one of the newcomers um, and I got to do it with my friend Evan Rachel Wood. Reeve had the amazing opportunity to be a part of the groundbreaking musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. This musical pushed Reeve in ways he'd never been pushed before, both physically and mentally, and more than anything else, it pushed his voice. Although it ran into many setbacks and technical issues, Reeve and the company stood their ground and they delivered performances night after night. The groundbreaking musical was the most expensive production in history, taking in more than two million worth of ticket sales over nine opening performances. It held the record for a Broadway show. Things are meant to be the way they are, I think, you know, within reason. I mean, there are a lot of things in life that happen that make no sense, but mm -hmm. I think um, if I hadn't met you, I. I don't think I would have been cast in that part, honestly, because it's like sustainability you need with your voice and this, the endurance you need to accomplish something like a Broadway show, especially when you are flying around and all that stuff. Man, I mean, that's something I couldn't have done before training because it was just all about style and sound as opposed to thinking about how the voice is actually working and what you need to do to preserve it. Yeah. I don't know. This is a weird thing to say, but I, I think that playing Spider-Man on Broadway helped me come back into harmony with the person that I knew I was when I was five years old. There's certain aspects of my life in which variety is not necessarily something that I seek, mm -hmm. but with, uh, with art, I, I do seek variety. Yeah. And I remember you telling me that a lot of clients, when you first work with them, you're trying to connect. I, this is how I felt about Spider-Man. It was like removing pretense. It was, it, when I first came to you, you, you want to strip away all of the things in the voice that people are putting on. Mm. And some of that's cool because some of it you want to be able to put on when you want it, but right. you want to find out what you're putting on as opposed to just like, Oh, this is what I think I do. And like, I, I know you told me that you'll have clients that'll actually break down in tears when they discover their true voice because it's like this powerful resonance. And I think that's kind of what happened to me with Spider-Man. We don't want the singer's voices to be a collection of their, their, their weaknesses. We want them to be a collection of their strengths, right? right? And that's yeah. what you find when you're singing live. Yeah, exactly. And you don't always find that on your own. Every one of my clients can be inspired by anyone and anything. Reeve tells me about one of his earliest inspirations and mentors, fellow singer and guitar player, Johnny Lang. I discovered Johnny Lang's music when I was 14, when there was this kind of rebirth of the blues happening in sort of the fringes of popular music. And it was just so cool to see somebody that my age 
succeeding at that level. And I knew when I saw what Johnny was, I was like, that's what I want to be doing. He gave me my first break playing music, playing in his band when I was 21. In one of his most popular roles, Reeve brought to life the iconic literary character of Dorian Gray on the hit show, Penny Dreadful. Dorian is consumed with the concept of pleasure, willing to try anything that is new and unexplored. I was definitely nervous about the nude scenes. That's the one character where it was justified. That was the thing I was most nervous about. But the language, uh, John Logan, who's an absolutely brilliant writer. I mean, it's like you get so spoiled speaking his words. I knew that it would come across in a tasteful way. But I actually had a, a great conversation with a priest, which sounds kind of funny before I took the role of Dorian Gray. And I told him I was struggling with this, and uh, he said to me, well, you know, oftentimes when I ask God what he wants me to do, he, and again, people have different concepts of God, so forgive my use of the word he, but I think, and so he said, um, oftentimes I, when I ask when I ask God what he wants me to do, he usually turns around to me and says, well, what do you want to do? And I, that was so useful for me in, in terms of taking that role. And I, I think there is such a power in uh, our own intention. It's been really great that you've been able to tap into so many of these different art forms um, and be able to do them well. I mean, you have a musical like Hamilton where it's like primarily rap. Right. I think like we're lucky that we live in a time where musical theater is expanding to include all of the various musical art forms. The warm-up process. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. You know, obviously it's so important to me. It's everything to me. And what is it that you do now that you start off a show, pre-show, well, since we started working together, I've, I've pretty much always started my warm-up this way with the lip roll. Because I find it's a good way to ease into things, and I think you told me that it connects you with your diaphragm in a light way. I don't know. One of the reasons why I like these the most is because they disengage all the muscles in the necks. And the only two muscles in the neck that should be engaging are the vocal cords, right? So we have a bunch of muscles from front to back, and we have a larynx to contend with. They're unfinished sounds. Yeah. They're unfinished sounds, and it's not supposed to sound like you sound when you're singing, right? right? And we slowly build them up again with the right form, just like exercise. Yeah. And that's why that's, yeah, it's so important. Right. Well, I was on the pathway to potentially damaging my voice when I met you because of the things that I was attempting to do. It was sort of like one of the, you know, Olympic gymnasts trying to pull off some like sort of pole vault move without stretching. Right. Or if you land that the wrong way without stretching. I think that the first thing I learned from you, Valerie, is like that actually a lot of people think that the first thing people talk about is support and supporting from the diaphragm, mm -hmm. which is something I'd always heard. And I'm like, where the heck is the diaphragm? Like that whole thing. But actually more importantly than that, I think you like you've always taught is that uh, you need to have the coordination because if you don't have the coordination, it's like you've got all this power behind something that it's dangerous. Actually, yeah. if you have too much power before you know, like it, it is to me, like not stretching. You it's have like if to you preserve it and understand how your anatomy works. Yeah. And oftentimes singers get frustrated because they don't have the help. They haven't sought out the help or they have sought out the help and that help. Maybe they, those teachers or those coaches haven't taught them tools they're not dealing with anatomical issues. They're just giving them warm-ups and then having them sing a song and sending them home. There's got to be a method to the madness. And I think that's what you're saying. I was approaching everything like a right or a left hook rather than a jab. And there mm -hmm. are times when you really, if you're going to try to get in there and uh, mm -hmm. quick, smaller movements, as opposed to like, huh, 
everything being so big because I think I was making everything really big and like I didn't have the coordination. Saying with too much muscle yeah. and not enough air. Your air muscle to air ratio was out of balance. Yeah. So that, that jab that you're talking about is too much force where you blow the vocal cords out. You have to learn how to coordinate the voice in order to lean in and have the strength and the volume you want without blowing out your instrument, right? I mean, it's nice like you always talk about as well, vocal currency, I think. Yeah, so, so for shows and tour, let's say you have 55 shows, but for math, we're going to do five shows. Yeah. You have a dollar, you have five dollars. You have a yeah. dollar to spend each night. If you spend 350 on your first show, right. you're going to have change left over for the rest of the tour. Yeah. That's not good vocal currency. And I'm always reaching for certain things and, and not always pulling it off. You know, that's just mm-hmm. how it is. You, in order to grow, you're, you're, if you had a perfect performance, what are you going to learn from that? I mean, right. you, but you always want to aim for as good as it can be. But right. And sometimes the imperfect performance is, is, is perfect. For years, Reeve has been attached to play Jeff Buckley in the biopic, Everybody Here Wants You. Yeah, they, they're what, what? still happening. I don't know when. What is going on with that? Because that yeah. there's a perfect example of somebody that's just, whoa. And, and, and I know that you're sort of like that perfect person to emulate him. And we worked on Esther for a while too, we but did. then it got uh, sidetracked. And I don't, I think that, I don't know, last I heard, they, I think because I'm working in London in the fall, mm-hmm. I they were thinking about trying to do it then, but now it might be when I come back in the yeah, spring. Yeah, well, I, I hope they do because yeah. that will be riveting. And I can't think Thanks. of a more perfect artist to play that role. Thanks. Well, it's interesting playing a real life person as opposed to a fictional character or someone from literature. But I think because you want to be able to not only not emulate, but you want to be able to bring to life some of who they were perceived to be through their mannerisms and, mm-hmm. and vocal mannerisms, you might even call them, or sounds of their voice in preparing for the role of Jeff Buckley, I realized that when I try to sound like Jeff, I don't sound like Jeff, but funnily enough, when I try to sound like Barbara Streisand, I sound like Jeff. I don't know. What I'm curious with all my students is how you deal with that anxiety of, of being in this business. I had some really good advice from one of my friends when I was going through some of that stuff a few years ago with Spider-Man because it was the first time that I had experienced um, a lot of people feel, feeling as though people wanted something from me that I wasn't always able to give them. But he gave me some wonderful advice. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine that everyone you encounter, whether it's a stressful situation or positive one, it's much more easy to imagine in a positive situ- situation than a stressful one. But even in the stressful moments, to imagine that everyone you encounter is an angel there to teach you something. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it like that, it puts the power back in your hands too mm-hmm. which pretty is a lot most of the time unless you're literally handcuffed you know you're usually mm-hmm. not spiritually handcuffed i think so like having that awareness that like everyone is there to help you it's something that i definitely need to remind myself of regularly because it's easy to forget it but uh, i think that's really helpful with the anxiety and those things and i love that you said that it's really important because i teach my students that too i mean a lot of what i do becomes therapy because mm-hmm. if you're not right in your head and your heart um, nothing's going to work and so right. that that and the vocals they have to be tied tied yeah, in it'll lock you up it yeah. locks you up when you're up uh, not right up here it locks you up here and mm-hmm. so i'm constantly untying those those knots in in the singer's mind in their heart in their brain whatever it is so it does become a lot of technical training and therapy at the same time and you have a lot of these younger artists now they're self-medicating they're right. you know taking xanax to go to sleep every night they're you know on the tour bus they're worried about everything they're drinking like enough that could put them in the hospital 
hospital right. every, and I see it because I'm talking yeah. them off the ledge. And, and, and it's interesting if more people would tap into their intuition, like you just said, and vibrate at a little bit of a higher level perhaps, and understand that even the bad stuff, there's a lesson. I've watched you grow and evolve in such an awesome way, but to come out the other side and, and sort of understand some of these lessons and, and really understand not just the technical, but the spiritual side, I mean, I can't tell you how happy that makes me. I wish I could give that gift to everyone, but that's that's the biggest, um, I think that's the, the pot of gold. There's so much in the intangible realm and the invisible realm that, you know, we're not necessarily seeing with our eyes. That's what I mean. I think with the acting thing, it's, I think that we have access to everything. If you can loosen up and like, relax enough, I think you can access some of those things that you might not otherwise be aware of. You know, want to know a little bit more about your next projects coming up? Oh yeah, well, I'm working on a a musical I'm really excited about called Hadestown, which uh, we're premiering at the National Theater in London. We have about a two and a half month run in London, and then hoping to come straight to Broadway or soon after. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful show. I play Orpheus from the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, where he goes down to Hades, the underworld, to rescue his love, Eurydice. And it's set sort of, not a particularly determined time period, but it appears to be a version of maybe the Dust Bowl era of America, which could be past, present, or future. But it kind of has that vibe, a little bit of a 1930s flavor to it. And the soundtrack is all sort of, its they call it a folk opera, but it's like a New Orleans blues, jazz, swampy score, which is so great for me because it's a lot of the music that I grew up being influenced by. So Reeve, thank you so much for coming by and doing this with us. This has been so fun and entertaining for me and just kind of getting to witness your career from, you know, when you were 21 and hearing more about your past, your present and and kind of your future. I'm excited for all the stuff that you have going on. And it's just been a real honor knowing you. So thank you for being here. Thank you too, Valerie. Thanks. 